peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. I always almost f- fuck up that pod- that intro every single time. Every single time. And how long have we been doing this? Quite a bit. Um, you got a few under your belt. <laughs> I would say I'm still not the greatest intro podcaster that is out there. Uh, we were actually talking about that today. We were trying to figure out how we wanted to start sharing all the information on the podcast and how do we go ahead and put Matt's mug and good old GB3's mug up on there and we can kind of share information from that standpoint just because of... Uh, I guess we're out of our sprint phase or our develop and generation phase or generating phase of, of information. And we're now getting ready to try and share as much as possible um, via social media and other platforms that we can, um, I guess, build out or utilize that we kind of have already. And those who have uh, taken the cohort or the case, the, the case study got to experience that, which was really cool. And to be able to bring that to the to the bosses or at least to to light finally of like, okay, here guys, we're gonna pull back the curtain. Here's all the information we have. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's been it's been a lot of fun. We've been working pretty hard in the background, trying to sort of connect ideas and think about how like what's the next evolution of, of this stuff. Um and it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun being in the lab, so to speak. But like to actually be able to interact with people and people who know the the kind of the, the tactical world very well um and and kind of get some some real-time feedback um has has been really useful both in terms of kind of tweaking things to make them better but but hopefully setting us up to deliver the best product possible at the end yeah that's the that's the big piece and that was something that when we talked with fish today uh that was what he literally out of his mouth was like i want to be the best in the tactical strength conditioning world and it's always been something that i felt that no one else can do this better than we can. We're just trying to find our voice in the space to do that. We know we, we see companies out there from power athlete to mountain athlete. The reason why I'm bringing these kind of companies up are tactical athlete or uh, mountain athlete. And then you got like Seal Fit and all those guys, Exos and those kinds of companies. And they all have a specialization with that comes with them. And, you know, our specialization is the tactical professional, the, the soft operator or the the general military tactical athlete or the fire, the firefighter or the law enforcement or the first responder. And you know why? Because we understand what kind of magic is needed to perform that job. We just don't have to sit from the outside and watch someone do a hard hit, but have no idea what it took to get to that hard hit, kill all the bad dudes or what that person had to do in a police chase or something like that, then gets to see that they don't get to see the, the process. They just kind of see the, the last two percent of the process into the outcome, I guess. Yeah. Well, we talked. We were talking about that today, like on the on the way back from the gym, kind of how how George in particular has has got some really interesting insight on this stuff because he can he can see and has been on both sides of the fence. So from from being an operator, just just doing the thing, to now like kind of reflecting back yeah. on uh, with with like the the kind of the the academic backing and the research backing and. And kind of been able to put more insight, I suppose, into into what it was you were you were doing. I guess it's the same thing with just learning to understand what I was doing at a different level or a different perspective or observation position. And the reason why I say that is, I always knew the tactics and the skills as a tactical professional, but I never understood the underlying aspects of what it was doing to me. Um, and I'm not saying from a bad 
headspace I'm talking about from a, a athletic, I guess, perspective. And the reason why I want to go down that route is because we've gone down the psych stuff and everything else. I'm pretty sure some of that's going to come in. But when it comes down to the athletic endeavors, you know, realistically to be a soft individual or someone in the soft community or working in the special operations realm, you have to be good at multiple things, not just be the one trick pony or specialize. And it's realistically is like when you become a soft operator or you work in that realm of the tactical community in that 1% of the 1%, you end up having to be a generalist who can specialize. And we talked about that today. And I don't think anybody realizes how to talk to the generalist especially when the generalist is a lot a lot higher than a specialist who's been doing their job probably for a very long time, but they've only been doing that job. And, and I know that's, I guess you can say, it, I don't want to say a double negative, but it's counter and, or it's going against what I just said. But what I'm trying to say is that like to be the tactical professional, there has been multiple paths of learning new skill sets and exposures to different things. So when we go and look at the athletic aspect of it, you got to swim you got to run. You got to be able to move with external load for long periods of time and long distances. Oh, but you also have to be able to bust out that 100 meter sprint at random times, right? Yeah. Or you might have to be able to do that repetitively over and over again with either gear in your back, no gear in your back, or very light and fast, and you're still moving a far distance. And I, I think on top of that, un unlike what we're used to with with the sporting world where we can like generally it, it's we kind of know what like in football or basketball or whatever we know what kind of plays are going to be made we know what kind of routes are going to be run so you can you can practice the those. predictability is higher in it. terms of like recognizing what is going to happen potentially yeah so we so we have to kind of uh, in in this world we have to make a lot more allowances for kind of gray zone stuff like this might happen or this might happen or like something that we've never prepped for might happen um and and that was kind of one of the things we were we've sort of trying to been we're trying to be figure out with with kind of the programming is how do we how do we prep people for like between the margins of, of things that we might expect to happen like how do we how do we factor in some of that variability yeah and that's and that's the crazy part about that because you know that was a word that was used this week with 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 us when we we're having some of our conversations and uh i guess idea and content building of what's the next steps and how we want to continue moving things and that was the idea was like we need variability and i've always believed in it i believe it in from a movement aspect right at the end of the day what is movement variability um and I've said it multiple times what that definition is. And it's ultimately how well can you move without, you know, losing energy. But at the same time, when do you break down? Because that's when the variability kicks in is like, oh, that person's movement broke down at rep 50 of 100 air squats. Oh, Matt now did it and he broke down at 75. Well, whose movement variability is better? You know, Matt's obviously. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where I kind of want to like, well, the variability in our headspace now when we go in and look at the tactical professional isn't just the movement of the variability it's now it's like no we understand that we can help make someone move really well and we can get them powerful fast and do those things but it's it's how do we go ahead and create information that is digestible in a very simple manner for the masses right and and to have the variability to do so and like we said it earlier you and i both can sit there and talk to an individual who's a machine gunner in the Marine Corps who is 20 years old in the Lance Corporal. We can sit there and dumb down every single thing and talk to him in that manner. 
Why? Because we've come from the world of sitting there and talking with privates and lance corporals and just your new new tactical professionals. We know how to approach that. Well, guess what we have now with us? We're not wearing the uniform anymore, right? But we still work in that realm as a, as understanding that job. So it's like, look, we learned, again, going back to the levels of like, yeah, hey, just look at it from a different perspective or a different level, meaning I went down the path of trying to understand the psyche and the physiological responses of what happens to the tactical professional because I know how it feels to go ahead and be in a high-stress environment, have cortisone level just through the roof, um, yeah, cortisone level through the roof, having, you know, not sleeping, um, not eating well at all, right? Heart health is through the roof um, in terms of like resting heart rate because I'm in such a stressful in situations. I'm not sleeping. Central nervous system is out of, out of sync, unbalanced. And occupational stress management, the coping res, re, uh, resources I had at that time, and I'm pretty sure you can account to this, was not every single time that I think, oh, I'm not going to drink this alcohol uh, beverage. I'm going to go ahead and fucking drink this alcohol beverage plus more and continue doing it for three days. So now we can talk to that machine gunner or that young, you know, individual who's entering the culture and understands like, yeah, in that realm, it, it is kind of the thing. But if you can do it in a very moderate and balanced way, you can still enjoy it and still increase your longevity and not hurt yourself. Because ultimately, you still do have control of what's going on. Yeah. And having that empathy piece, I think you can't, you can't kind of understate the importance of that, like being able to connect to who, whoever it is. So like you use the, the kind of the young private example, Correct. but even you, you're kind of like like the higher higher ranking officers being able to kind of change maybe the way you're delivering the message yep. even though it's the same message and that's um, taken work yeah right yeah. like that's what has that's what i have had to work on I th I, yeah i think you've got a really it's a really good testament to how well you understand your craft when you can like um when you can have the have the same message but be able to deliver it the differently well so it's it's this weird thing right when we have the tactical transferability scale that right? we've talked about in the past on podcasts and if you guys haven't listened to it i highly recommend go check it out but when we go ahead and and look at just a transferability and a f and and the flexibility of being able to adjust and make a new position to gain advantage that's not wrong it's not bad that's you acknowledging like, yeah, I'm making this position to take to, to make the advantage to put me in a positive spot. Well, why wouldn't I not make the changes and and create some variability in my own intelligence or repertoire, however you want to look at it, to be able to go from the Lance Corporal Corporal or PFC as a machine gunner to now a PhD doctor or presenting in front of a group of individuals who work in the realm of tactical strength conditioning or, like you said, talk to those officers. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it goes back to our motto is like the human first profession second. They're a fucking human. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right? It's just that yeah. their processes and their their software and hardware are a little bit different due to the population and the educational pathway they took and their experiences. Well, and, and also the fact, I know I know we've kind of talked about this before, but also the fact that they're SMEs, in, they're subject matter experts in whatever it is that they're, they're doing, like in, in the int world or in the radio comms world or, or be it just kicking indoors. Yeah. They're like, they, they need to be the best they can possibly be in those things. They shouldn't also have to have like a thorough background and understanding in biochemistry or like kinesiology like that's we can we can we like can, nerd yeah. out on that stuff and just kind of like make sure we're we're helping them as and as and when needed yeah and I, I think that's the idea here is when we go ahead and look at the idea of variability yeah we talked about movement variability it's you know 
be able to repetitively hit the same movement pattern until without breaking down, right? Because when we find that happens over time, that does create injuries. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, go for I, it, go I was for just going to say, I, th I think especially what's especially kind of important to consider as well, specifically with the the tactical professional, is like your even though the input is different, you're still trying to get to the same output. So to, to kind of illustrate that, if we use something like a, like a hinge or a deadlift pattern, we, we want like the, the kind of the flat back, the even loading through the feet. We want those kind of key parameters to be the same every time, even though it might be a barbell in the gym on one day, or it might be like an asymmetrical load on another day, or you might have one foot slightly higher than the other because you, you're having to haul someone up outside, or it might be because it's pissing it down with rain, or if it's dark, or like you've got incoming rounds yeah. you know like the input is always different but you still have yep. like the same when i say same i kind of mean like within certain parameters i.e that it's safe you have the same output yeah well i like the way you bring that up and you and that's a really good point right because everyone looks at well it's the movement well let's go and look at the environment yeah because the environment is also a variable and, and and variability obviously variable there's a reason why we're adding that there it comes down to the variable and then variable can be multiple things. And I think I've talked about this before in the past with uh, like endurance and ultra endurance racing is that the reason why it's such a close knit thing towards it, it when on the novelty scale for the tactical athlete is due to the variables in the environment you have, depending if you're in the mountains, what time of the season it is. All right. What's the distance? All right. What's the weather look like during that time period? All right, sweet. What is my body going to go ahead and do during those different types of variables because now then my body gives me other variables. So now I'm going to look at like, well, I have environmental variables. I have physiological nature type variables. I have psychological by nature variables. Oh, I also have racing or the racers around me are also considered variables. Why? Because let's just be completely honest. Like if you get passed in a race or you pass other people, what does it do to you? Yeah. yeah. So like it's, it's what we're trying to do here is like, okay, cool we're trying to create as many uh, ways to go ahead and communicate with our community so that they can go ahead and take what we're teaching and what we've developed over the past two years, honestly, it's what it's felt like we've been in a very huge development phase. How do we go ahead and take that to make it digestible again, right? Like, okay, cool. What's the variability in that? Do we not only talk about, you know, strength conditioning, but we also talk about the conscious warrior system. How do we bring that in? Oh, as well as like, how do we go and pair in some of the other SMEs that could really amplify all of these things that we have our hands in that we've developed to where it's like, oh no, they're right on point. Mm. Oh, but, oh yeah, this is it. And they can add their own piece. They can help us amplify it and make it better. So I guess we would, you know, when it comes down to is like the variability. And I want to point out this, for example, right? Like Matt, for example, is a very routine individual. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. something I've noticed, right? But with you coming out here, you're very flexible. You can adjust. And that's because of the environment in which you came from, from the military. Hey, traveling, doing your thing. Like you've done a really good job blending in with the family and like, like doing your part, right? Where it's not over enduring or pressure-ish, right? It's not none of that stuff. So what I'm saying is like, that's really cool. That's a, that's, that's being able to have some variability in your life. It's again, variability is not bad. Yeah. And, and I, I guess kind of the same, like this might be a bit clumsy, so bear, bear with me, but if we use the, if we kind of use the, the same analogy, compare back to the, the deadlift, we said lots of different, uh, very, lots of variability in input, but the same output, that's kind of the same thing with, with doing things like this, with kind of traveling for work and yeah. things like that. Like the input is different. I, we're working out of a different office. Like 
you're having to to kind of cope with me being in your like sort of family circle and changing routine and things but ultimately the output should still be the same correct uh, i mean like weirdly enough the output's been way better because correct. obviously we're working in person but hopefully that that's kind of the same the, the well, same kind it's of the message, same idea well, yeah yeah so i guess what i'm trying to say is that like when we have variability within our life and within the the athletic realm of our toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, the, the toolbox of that. How do you want to look at that? This variability is actually really good for us. Why? Because it does allow for us when we get, you get put into those unawkward, like unawkward, I can't remember speak right now. Um, those like unorthodox, unique, positions. Yeah, unorthodox yeah, yeah. positions are unique positions. Yeah, novel situations. Are those novel situations we keep going back to. We end up realizing like, Oh wow. If I wasn't doing X, Y, and Z, I probably wouldn't have been able to handle D, C, and E. Yeah, yeah, and we can. So almost, if we if we think about like the the so what, like the the where the rubber meets the road, the road or the practical application of this, um, and we can think about kind of training and things. What what we have to kind of look at is like the the kind of the same question, like what are you training for? Like, are you are you someone who um, works nine to five and trains to compete in something like powerlifting, or are you someone that uses the sport of powerlifting, i.e., the squat, bench, and dead, to help? your like daily life and those two things are different like if you're if you're if we we stick with the tactical professional and uh and the power lifts and the the three lifts like if you're if you're training to compete and your priority is competing in powerlifting your training should look very different to if you're using the squat bench and dead to help your performance as a tactical professional and we've we've discussed this before this this idea of goal versus process orientated training so if it's if it's um like a, a process orientated training, that's like um, making all the reps look exactly the same. So as little variability as possible, because the thing that's varying is the weight. So you want the weight to kind of be the limiting factor rather than the variability. Um, and if you, yeah, if, if you've kind of any experience in, in Olympic lifting or, or powerlifting um, and, and sports of that nature. So we used archery and, and kind of um, like marksmanship principles yeah. as, a, as an example earlier. You, you want there to be as little noise, like as little variability in this in the input as possible because the output's like the yeah. thing that you're trying to improve. And and that works really well for those kind of sports and activities. But the other end of the spectrum is is sports and activities that are unpredictable, i.e. like duty for the tactical professional. We we don't know what's going to happen when you go out on shift that night. So with that in mind, if your if your training is based around like everything looking exactly the same. You're going to be awesome if the the kind of the job requires you to do what you've done in training. But if it deviates at all from that, that's when we kind of have issues and it's going to be a lack of performance, potentially injury and, and things like that. So where we where we kind of encourage our, our tactical professionals to go, and this is kind of what our, our training is based around, is is this idea of, of um, goal-orientated training. So where the output is the same, but it's kind of up to the athlete or up to the the kind of the programming to um, add the variability. So again, that might look like if you're if you're doing your, your set of squats, we'll keep that as an example. You're you're still trying to perform as much of the squat pattern as you can, but you might have an offset loaded barbell, i.e., one side is five pounds heavier than the other, or your feet might be slightly offset, or you might have one trainer on and one sorry one sneaker on. I'm getting there, <laughs> and one barefoot, or some like texture underneath, or you might have your head turned to like to the left or to the right. Basically, there's 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 different inputs, but the output goal is is kind of the same. Sorry, I've been yapping. no no no. I, th- I think it's great, and 
I don't think we train enough that way or at least think in that manner. And I, the reason why I say that is when it comes to the tactical profession, because we continue rolling down that path, no matter the, the job, there are those unknown variables that will cause you to have to make quick decisions, um, not just react, but respond. You're going to have to recognize. And again, by putting yourself in a position, by doing maybe a deadlift with a sneaker on or a trainer on and no shoe on, or just like yesterday when we were sitting there filming uh, the single leg balance uh drills and video uh, drills, I guess, exercises, the variability was either the surface that I was on. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, so set it up, George, like kind of describe what you were doing. Um, so what, what we were doing is we're, we're filming a bunch of movement stuff that we can potentially throw onto social media and allow for us to, you know, start highlighting some of the things that we do within the programming. We haven't done it as much, you know, so it's a little bit more exciting to see and, and kind of understand where our headspace is at. But also, we want to educate them, educate the individual when they see this and be like, oh, cool, I can do this myself at certain times throughout the day, throughout a training session, or maybe throw it in three or four times a week to help improve. Uh, for example, what we were filming was single leg balance. Yeah. So, what we decided to do was like, well, let's go and do a split squat isometric hold, right? But let's go ahead and have it with the heel raise. So now we're, we're putting weight onto the forefoot, your heels raise off the ground. And realistically, the goal is to try and get full extension with that foot in that position yeah, and stabilize. And the most basic progression or the most simple exercise would be just on a bare floor, not carpet, but hardwood floor where you have some connection and it's stable and you go and do a split squat hold and you lift your heel up, right? And now you're performing a calf raise. So that's kind of the, sorry, George, cut you off. That's kind of like the output. So using that same analogy or model we were talking about, like the the end stage or the output is George holding that Correct. position and looking good. And then as he'll, as he'll tell you, we change the input. Correct. And we change the input and it's just, it, it was simple. It was easy as like, okay, cool. Let's go and move you off of the concrete floor or the, the, the pad and move you over onto the turf. All right, sweet. Now it gives a little bit, the, the surface is a little bit more unstable. All right, let's see what that looks like. Cool. Boom. There's another input there, which the outcome's still the same because I'm trying to improve my single leg balance. And then from there, I was like, all right, cool. Well, how about we uh, put like a loaded vest on you and see how well you hold position with that. Okay. But we're going to do it on the concrete to provide some stability and then progress to an, a little bit more less unstable position, which is the turf. Cool, awesome. Um, but also, let's go and throw in some, uh, some, some. Uh, what were they? The the center mass center bells. Center mass bells. Yeah, it's center a kind mass of like, bells. Um, if you imagine like a, a hollow kettlebell without the handle. Yeah, so Sornex is the company yeah. that we we're using. Um, and cool. Well, let's go and just hold them in a farmer carry position, right? So I like held it in a farmer's carry position. All right, hold that position. Sweet. All right, now pull one up to the chest in a front rack position and hold on a farmer's carry with the vest on with your ankle raised and you're on uneven turf you're on this like uh turf that's super unstable sweet cool now press overhead while still maintaining position and not losing you know balance yeah, or out, having your heel outputs the same inputs, outputs different yeah outputs the same. cool then switch sides as i bring that one bell down i go ahead and do a curl with the other one and i press overhead and do that again now i alternate now the the input naturally is going to be my arms moving right? The other input input is the vest that I have to still control through the trunk. And then the next input's going to be the surface area that I'm standing on top of. And the next input's going to be the heel elevated raise. The next input would be my isometric hold. Um, I, I can keep going, but the, there's so many inputs, but the outcome is again, still the same. And that's the idea here is that all of those different 
um, progressions or increased skill levels or challenges or whatever else was variability. Yeah. So if if you were sorry, George, I mean to kind of cut you off. If if you were looking to add something like this into your into your own training, obviously we have a, a ton of this kind of stuff in the app because we're we're really passionate about this this sort of neuro focused or neuro lens based training model. Um, but as an, as an example, as an analogy of things you might want to do, you could use the split squat like like George did, or it could be a could be a back squat, or it could be a deadlift, or, or it could be a as simple press. as like it could be as simple as doing a half like a half squat and holding right above parallel. Yeah, definitely. So so again, like kind of the the pattern doesn't really matter, but the the process is the case of is is the output like what you want to see in and for our like in our case as working with tactical professionals ultimately it's going to be like is this safe is this going to be a position that the the individual is not going to get injured by being in awesome and then from from there you can you can kind of layer in the complexity so like like george was saying we've played around with adding load we've changed like the surface underneath his, Fucking his foot threw a med ball at me multiple times yeah so that's that's kind of what i was going to get into <laughs> this this idea of like reactivity so george was saying about how he was using the center mass bells and obviously that's that's real hard because the weight's moving and he's got to kind of stabilize but ultimately he's controlling that like his nervous system and his brain knows that because he's done this so much, as that weight comes up, he's going to have to kind of change tension and like brace for it. Like the the kind of the next the next layer of complexity on top of that is going to be adding in like a, a, an element of reactivity. So we we use playing around with uh, like firing a Dynamax ball as hard as I yeah. can uh, at George from different angles while he wasn't kind of when he wasn't really expecting it at different heights, different speeds. So his his system has to kind of like instantly calculate like adjustments to make in order to keep that same output while I'm still holding the split squat hold with a heel raise yeah. um, at the same time. Definitely. And I was being recorded talking about what I was doing at the same time. That was going to be my, yeah, that was going to be kind of my, my next thing. So, and again, we know for like tactical professional, it's, it's not like the cases, it's not the case of being a sports athlete where it's generally going to be kind of quiet. You've got to, you've got to think and communicate with oppos. So the fact that, that while that was happening with George, he also had to kind of think and, and talk and turn his head and turn his eyes. Um, that adds in that, that additional layer of complexity. So having a conversation with the athlete or if, if you're kind of the coach yeah. or a training partner, that could be just talking shit or it could be kind of like maybe bouncing between math math problems or something like that. That can add a really interesting layer of, of kind of complexity. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up something. I'm going to go way back to the days of like when I first got down to battalion at first week, I'm telling when I first checked in. I wish I would have known a lot of these things because, you know, I would have just asked them in haze by doing this stuff because now it's just like I'm not just doing some stupid like – circus trick it, it, there's there's some science behind it now right we're like hey look if you can maintain position just like such while still turning your head and having a conversation are able to answer skills um that are relatable to your job or you're reciting a kim's game you're now in, again increasing the complexity but realistically it's actually very simple yeah and so going back to being you know being thrashed by you know the, the older guys when you're the new guy coming in you know I really wish it would have been something where it's like, hey, we're going to do these things, but it's also going to teach you something. I'm not saying those didn't teach me anything, just taught me to be harder. Um, and this, that's important. You can't take any, like, correct. that's kind of a key skill to but have. It, it, like even now as an, like as I move through, you know, my military career and as an instructor, it's like, man, I mean, I was doing stuff not that way. It was, but I, I, I still taught cognitive loading. I still did all those things, but in this most like boring ass way to where like now it's like, no, let's go ahead and talk about, you know, 
what do you got to do on a patrol when you have an open danger area coming in? Well, let's go ahead and throw that into our strength conditioning session while I have my two guys working on split squat holds, right? Like, hey, this time you're going to go ahead and quiz him on this while he's holding this position. Now you're just ultimately creating variability from the brain side of the house, which when you put them into a patrol and they're taking a knee, they automatically just have that responsive uh or the reactability to just kind of naturally go into it. And we talked about that today, like Matt, and again, that's what I was saying is like, Matt jumped in the pool today with me. Um, he's like, dude, I haven't been in the pool forever. And like, that was something that he did growing up for a very long time and swam at a collegiate level for it. So he was like, I don't get in the pool no more. It's just that thing. And I'm like, I totally get that. It's the same thing for the military. Like when I got out, I didn't camp. I didn't fucking swim. I didn't do anything. I was like, didn't even touch a ruck. I was like, fuck you guys. Um, so I get it, but again, he jumped in the pool today and like watching him swim is like he never stopped. Um, and it, it goes to show that, you know, hey, you don't need to go ahead and do something, you know, for a very long time to still come back and do it. But why is that? And where I'm going with this is, is that like the level of, um, the level that you had to get to to learn how to do that or perform at such level ultimately allowed you to like compete in a, in an event perspective is what I'm getting to. It's the same thing with a tactical professional, right? If I can get him to understand how to do specific tasks or remember how to do a, um, weapons malfunction drill while under this setting in a low stress setting that I'm improving single leg strength balance or however you want to look at it. And I'm like, Hey, walk me through the steps of the, the malfunction one on machine gun. Go. Cool. Hey, walk me through how you would turn off your, your tanks underwater. Go. Hey, talk to me about how you would actually run through this house for a fire uh, test. How would you do these things? Walk it through. Because now we're adding some variability to where when he goes and does that, he's not having to have to worry about the split squad hold. It's now just increased his ability to recognize ultimately processing information. And that's, again, from the psych. And, again, we always go have something to tie that in. But the 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 more efficient our information processing side of the house is, the better that we are going to be able to react, recognize, and respond in a very positive manner that ultimately makes you a very fucking huge asset. Definitely. And actually, that, that's something that ties in really nicely to what we were talking about in terms of layering layering in complexity. We know from kind of motor learning theory and, and kind of doing brain scans and things like that, that like the the way the brain learns best is is when it's like, when you're like, constantly challenged a little bit so not to the point where you like fail every single time but it can't be it can't be easy um and and we know that like the obviously kind of evolution like evolutionary biology the the brain needs that kind of that that challenge that's why we we kind of talk about this idea of coaching ugly um that was something something one of my lecturers at um at university always used to talk about like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be instagram reps like if if it looks good enough where you can post it on instagram from like a like a, a live coach athlete environment then you're not challenging hard enough it should be always on the point of, yeah. of them kind of breaking down uh um, and that's sorry, George. Just, no, just real quick, good. I was going to say where you where you kind of tied in like the weapons malfunction drills. Actually, we know from like a nerdy scientific perspective that that would be like the best way of doing it, rather than just kind of reciting Correct. parrot fashion from a book or just doing the same thing in a room over and over and over again. Or so putting a time on somebody that doesn't do anything for anybody. It actually just creates them to have more problems than actually learning how to because you're creating such a stressor. This is not such a high stressor and the pressure is actually low. Um, mm. Where I was going with this was going to be talking about the inverted U theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like I don't think we've talked about that on the podcast. 
But the inverted U theory is actually a really important thing to know as as an athlete, as a human, as a as a coach, as a pr- practitioner. It doesn't matter. And what what that is is actually is you learning how to manage your own arousal level to operate and perform in that flow state or how you want to look at it. It's ultimately right. But what happens is that different skills take different levels of, of arousal to perform at its highest optimal output. And it's just since we're keep going with that. So for example, we can go back to the power lifter who was training to lift for a powerlifting meet. We know that their arousal level, depending on their personality and who they are, might need to be at a nine or an eight to fucking get after it. But then we have Matt who is training for the same powerlifting meet and he does needs to be at like a three or a four so that he can focus, right? He needs to put on some classical music, maybe some Kenny J. Um, <laughs> you know me too well, George. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Kenny, J's aw- Kenny G is awesome. And if you haven't listened to his new album from 2020, New Standards, phenomenal. Yeah, George has been kind of converting me over the last <laughs> few days. <laughs> um but then you got the other power lifter who's getting ready to do the same thing and he's there jamming out to Pantera or some tool or, you know, some slipknot to get him just like ramped up and ready to rock and roll before he goes and pulls this massive deadlift the same, you know, how it is. But again, what I'm stating is everyone's arousal levels are all going to be different depending on environment, personality, prior <clears throat> experience and exposures to all of it. So you have to find like what ultimately drives you to operate in that like optimal state of arousal is ultimately mm. where i'm coming to definitely and then sorry i don't want to hijack oh, this good, but but again going back to this like the the kind of the so what and how does this kind of translate back to training it's it's then like trying to give give yourself opportunities to practice performing in that kind of that arousal zone Correct. or that or that kind of level of or that headspace when it's not competition so Correct. so when you're not like about to arrive on target like practicing it beforehand and and if you if you don't know if you're generally that comes with experience i'd say but if, if you if you don't know whether you perform better like uh, in different headspaces it's something to, to kind of manipulate and you can you, you can, can kind of yeah you can totally manipulate it and i'm not trying to hijack you either it just goes to, like so how do we take the power lifter and transfer that over to the tactical athlete or the tactical professional well let's go ahead and talk about pre-mission planning let's talk about play mission like rehearsals let's talk about oh i got 10 minutes still stepping out on mission i need to make sure my fucking weapon my weapon's good everything else comm checks are final that what does that do to you like that's those are like steps that are intentful to prepare you to do what to move into the next phase of your profession crossing into outer friendly lines and going into the enemy territory kicking that door down and going into that fire right make coming to a full stop in your police car, jumping out of that motherfucker and going on a full sprint. Or you're that SWAT guy who's on the sniper rifle up there at the top who's getting ready to have to make that shot, you know, or going into that position. Well, that's a good time to recognize what is going on from arousal level, meaning am I super jittery? Am I able to focus? Or am I just like, fuck, you know, I'm just mellow. Nothing's going on. Cool. What should I do then, right? Like I'm getting ready to go perform this job I need to have my arousal levels somewhere around here, but I'm either way to the right or way to the left. How do I recognize to get myself into that middle? And it comes from working in the gym, working to settings that ultimately will have the highest variability or the highest change or transferability into that job. And I think we're starting to do a better job of explaining that and being like, look, first off, if you're the individual who needs to rage to Pantera before you pull a heavy one-arm deadlift, 
cool, do what you need to do, but you can't be in that arousal state when you have to go and, for example, uh, lift a one-arm snatch. Some people might, mm-hmm. but that's not me, yeah. right? Um, I hope I'm not talking in circles, but I hope that's like... No, no, definitely. And equally, like, recognizing that that something something like uh, pulling heavy singles in the, in the gym as part of training and needing to get pumped up is very different to being on target or, or kind of get on the on the fire truck because the the gym even though that weight is real heavy and it's it feels really sketchy picking it up that's kind of a safe controlled environment like you know the outcome the bar is yeah. not going to get up and get you um whereas when we're when we're kind of on duty if you like to kind of keep it a general term it you're not able to be so um so kind of hyper focused on that that one thing you have to be able to keep that peripheral vision wide yeah. you have to have enough kind of uh, headspace or, or buffer room, I guess, yep. um, to be able to make decisions on the fly and and not be, not necessarily be like, um, kind of react. Some elements you're going to need to be on instinct, but you need to have enough kind of like space where you can think logically and problem solve. I think. No, well, that's a good point. You bring it up. It, it comes down to the. I had a DQ question actually, asking like, how does the scientific method help everyday decision making? Um, is the scientific method inferior or superior? And, you know, can it blind us from making the everyday decision or does it and does it cause us to have a a lens and a different view from from reading data pretty much at the same time? So we went from asking this like philosophical question to then to science. And it was an interesting standpoint because, again, it goes back to when we go and look at variability in the tax professional. We go in and talk about, hey, look, this in this inverted U theory where like you got to find that that left and right lateral limit sweet spot for you to operate at your best to perform that job. It takes practice. And then when we go in and look at it from the idea of like, hey, the scientific method and what do we need? Yeah, we do need to react off of heart and intention. But we also need to have a process or a system that allows for me to think logically, which ultimately improves my critical thinking skills. And that's what we're saying right here is that like what we're trying to do is just teach you to be better thinkers, but also feel so that you can improve your thinking uh, behaviors to where like you're thinking now when it has to be on a drop of a dime, you've done enough you know, logical systems or preparations or planning or steps to allow for you to make decisions. And when you had the time to where when you're making that decision now in a five second, 10 second, 30 second window or a minute second window or a week window, because that's what you have, you, you get what I'm saying, I can tie that everywhere. But the smaller the window, at least I can now rely on the previous experiences of logical processes and critical thinking to be like, okay, cool, I'm making this decision. Yes, based off intuition, but a lot of my intuition also has come from the the processes in which I've been able to utilize to make the correct decision, which ended up being a positive outcome. Uh, absolutely. And we can we can in terms of like a practical standpoint, we can look across to like like Doug and all his adventure sports as a as a prime example for that. We know that like generally those kind of athletes and, and individuals doing those those sports will make better decisions when they're more confident. Yep. If and, and, and you, you know this yourself, like if you kind of go into something, say like you were talking about mountain biking before, if you're like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to make this as you as you're going down the run, you probably won't. Yeah. Um, and having having that that confidence um, to kind of allow you to almost jump into a to a flow state. Uh, I think is is super important for this population, and that that kind of comes back to this idea of 
um, of, of not having limiting factors, even yeah. even down to the point where where we now try to use that term rather than weaknesses because of the kind of the connotations it has with just yeah. wanting you guys to go out the door from into the into their occupation into their duty as confident as as possible. Um, I. I like to look at it from coming from the re- the, the the recce side of the house, right? Like when you're sitting on the high side of height side, like you have security posture and security position and security like posture. You you know that if your security posture is strong, you're gonna have a really good really good patrol, right? You're like, all right, cool. I have my claymores out. I have my dar side set up. I have my machine gunners in the right positions. Or I got my guys up in the uh, you know doing recon observation stuff there. I have the rest plan going on. All right, I understand where all the uh, avenues of approach are going to be. Sweet, cool. My 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 security posture is strong. Well, what we tend to forget too is that that same idea when I'm in a patrol, right, can cater into where we are today, right? To where now it's like, cool, you're limiting factors. It's just it's not that you're limiting factors. It's just like, oh man, your security posture is a little fucking low over there let's go ahead and get some more security over there maybe put another claymore up claymore up there to protect that side all right you can't you don't have eyes to be able to get behind that blind spot that's back there maybe we we ask for a drone to come over maybe we ask for some of those things and what i'm saying is that you have to recognize your security posture and if it's lacking then you have to be able to improve it it's the same thing here when we look at these limiting factors it's like okay cool as a tactical professional or as an athlete that does these things what is it that is causing my security posture not to be the best yeah 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 kind of and and you can kind of extrapolate that out to back way back to kind of this this whole this whole idea around the the conscious warrior stuff is is that introspection like being able to being able to kind of turn that that spotlight inwards which we aren't great at i think as a as As a a community yeah as a community as a a culture probably right yeah 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 well and i think it's i don't know if it i don't want to say it's not uh, uh, an issue in, in our culture because I, I, I think it's more of like, oh, I can I do internal work, but then I can look back out and I, I don't go back to it or um, or I do it all the time and it just now has created like a negative effect, right? Because everything too much is, again, can become not good for you. And it's, again, we're looking for the minimum effective dose. So in this idea of this, like, you know, hey, when we're checking about, like, variability, what is the minimum effective dose that's going to positively improve my security posture or improve my limiting factors, right? That increases my ability to handle variability. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what we're trying to do, right? Is like, ultimately, all I'm trying to do is increase tolerance so that you can then have the, the information processing capacity to handle multiple different variables that are unknown. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So so way back to that kind of what we talked about, the the kind of the varying inputs but the same output, like a stable output. It's probably a better way of putting it. Um kind of going into sort of the Franz Bosch type stuff. But like the the inputs are almost kind of um like innumerable. There's so many that that can kind of face us in the in the tactical world. Like, like you said, the, the greater your capacity to like be able to tolerate an extreme range of, of different inputs, but still produce the same output, be that still getting rounds into, into kind of the target area or still making that, that kind of sprint from A to B or chasing that, that suspect or whatever, whatever it is, whatever that kind of skill or or action is. That's, that's huge. 
I like the fact that you bring that up because it ties me back into the scientific method in everyday decision making. When we go and look at the every at the scientific mess or the scientific method, ultimately it's an observation looking for an answer or right or yeah, leading to a question or answer or whatever else. There's a process with that. Again, the everyday decision making comes down to your your ability to make the right actions that are going to improve your outcomes for yourself or others around you. Okay, cool. Until we get that. Well, what's just decision making? Because that's good decision making. What is decision making at its all? It's being able to have multiple different courses of actions that will allow for you to move in a logical process to make good decision making. Mm. Yeah, it's not just one step. It's not just one step. It's being able to have multiple courses of actions and being like, all right, how do I apply this scientific method, right? I see an observation. I now leads me to a question that's going to give me an answer. And if it's not right or correct, I then have to recreate a new question and move forward with it. It's the same thing here when you talk about like, yeah, we do need to, we're going back to the idea of intuition and like making those um, on the, on the dime change our, our decision-making skills or reactability. Again, going back to the idea that being able to have a logical thought process to amplify that intuition to go ahead and be as confident as possible that you mentioned as well, I can then go and perform my job, which then on a scale of one to 10 of, of what that what that job is or what that task is, that's that, per, that perception of that now is no longer a seven or eight or a nine, it becomes a three or a four. Now we've, now we've just increased your ability to handle Whatever it is comes your way because now you have a buffer to kind of go up and down. And, you know, in the most simple terms, uh, Alex Honnold talked about it. And I don't know if I talked about it on a podcast before, but I like using him. He's a really smart individual. But what he talked about when he climbed and free solo El Capitan was this idea that, you know, he always tried to do moves that kept him in the green. Because when he was in the red making a move, he knew it was that much closer to making a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Kind of your, buff- so, your buffer is less. Yeah, correct. It's, it's less. So ultimately what we're trying to do here is we're trying to go ahead and take that eight or a nine that you perceive, you know, specific types of task and lower that number so that you can continue operating at a higher state cognitively to where you're not wasting energy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, obviously the, the benefits of that are, are kind of multi, like the, the performance is, is greater, like on task, Correct. but because it's, you're also being more efficient you're less likely to get injured. And then you're also kind of, when we've talked about this, this idea of kind of like a stress bank account, or yeah. a resources bank account, you're, you're going to take, it's going to cost less. Correct. If you like. Correct. It will, like I explained it to a fish earlier or the other day about the general adaptation syndrome. And I love using this example because I feel like it's perfect for micro experiences and macro experiences. And if anybody's never heard of the general adaptation syndrome, it's, it was, it was developed by Dr. Hayes, uh, Haynes Siley. Yeah. Hans Hi Siley. There you go. Um, and he, he came up with this idea of breaking down stress and how our body reacts to it in a in a multiple phase process. And, you know, within those phases are some sub phases. But the way it was like, hey, your body reacts and then it counteracts to go ahead and get into a sympathetic state. Then you now become into this resistance phase. Well, the longer you're in this resistance phase or the longer you're in threshold or however else is going to go ahead and determine how much time you spend in the exhaustion phase because that's how much energy you spent, which then means you take longer to get back to your normal baseline to be recovered. So almost like, um, I appreciate it's difficult to kind of picture that if you're a doing something else while you listen to this, where you can't see it on a screen. So or like just type if, it on your computer real quick and look at it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was going to say like maybe a, a way to illustrate it. If you imagine throwing a, a ball up in the air, like the higher you throw it, 
the longer it takes to come back down. Is that like a I, fair I guess we can use of... that. Yeah. Uh, well, and the reason why I say because if you were to bring it, if you were to pull it up and look at a graph, and we've done it before, we've done a couple um, blogs on it, I think, and there's some graphs out there. But if you go ahead and look at it, what I'm saying is once you get into that phase two, which is resistance, there's a time duration that you're in it. So the longer you're in that duration and the higher that stress is, the longer you're going to take to get back to the recovery phase is what I'm ultimately saying. So you're right. I could have duration of 10 minutes, but the intensity of that phase was at a 10. Well, what we've seen from occupational stress with the cohort and occupational exertion units that we've created, or I don't want to say we created, but we've, we've innovated and developed a way to go ahead and take occupational units to where it allows us to get a baseline of individuals overall stress for the day. Well, what ends up happening is if we can go ahead and improve the capacity to handle stress and within the gas model in that phase now, now what ends up happening is, is I might be in duration for six hours doing something, but in the past, the same thing was six hours of duration, but it was at a seven. Now it's at a five. Well, when I did this task six months ago and it took me four hours to recover, or it took me two days to recover from this and get back into a recovery phase. Oh, now when I retested or did this thing again six months later, I actually recovered within three days and I was ready to rock and roll. So what does that show us there? It shows us that you increase your capacity to handle stress, meaning that you were able to go ahead and cut down the time it took to recover. That shows fitness. That shows the capacity in which how we handle our everyday life. Yeah, and you, I, I know it's kind of a term you don't really like using, but arguably that's almost kind of resilience. That's a hundred percent. I don't. I'm not going to say I don't like saying it. That's the term that people are chasing in this industry. And, it, and I don't want to sound like a fucking turd or anything <laughs> else because I'm not. And by the way, Jericho, if you listen to this, or I might call you out on it. I have to bring this up because he called me out for. <laughs> For, for looking like my toddler addressed me. Um, I saw Jericho down at BRCC the other day and he looked at me while I was walking out of the office after we just got done doing some work for all day. And I didn't realize this, but I had one sock over my pant on the left leg and I had my other pant covered my other sock and I had on this big blue puffy jacket from uh, that was like f- just comfortable from beyond and my hat was all messed up or my hair was all messed up and my hat was over my hair was flaring down and he was like who the fuck dressed you this morning um but it's cool to like again i'm just calling him out because it was funny that he called me out for dressing that way um so bringing it back to what we're talking about god damn it i forgot it already um so so we were talking about like resiliency there you go yeah Yeah. so bringing back the idea of resiliency right it's the resilience of you handling correct (laughs) it was shit talk correct right it was like i've come from that world but it ultimately was like oh thanks for calling me out for looking like a fucking asshole when i'm walking around being professional (laughs) um but I have the variability to fix my clean myself up. And I guess what I'm going back to is like being able to have the resiliency to take things like that as well to where it's not a bad thing. It's just, again, one of those, <laughs> that's part of it all. Um, so it was just funny to like kind of tie that into being able to be like, oh, thanks for calling me out, man. I appreciate that. But I've had that in my pre- in my career previously, right? To where you have people who hold you accountable. And that also increases variability. And I'm pretty, people are like, what the fuck? How does that tie all in together? But you're able to take criticism. Yeah. Right? And that ultimately improves your ability to handle the job and handle stress. Mm. Because it does let you know, it's like, oh, wow. Well, inside this gas model, right? When we talk about the counter shock phase, shock phase, or shock phase, counter shock phase, into resistance, into exhaustion, then to recovery, I then can then look at it from like, oh, well, if I can handle taking 
this criticism to make myself better, what does it do to me when I am put in some other positions of stress? Is what I guess I'm trying to say, and I, it, it might not make any sense. And no, no, it, I can, I can kind of, I can kind of see that. I think. Right. It, all I'm saying is that, like, you're. I probably fucked it all up, but <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Still hypoxic from the pool Dude, session. Dude, something like that. It's just been a long week, man. It's been a long, long week and we've done a lot. But what I'm trying to tie everything back into is this idea of, you know, when we look at variability and the variables within our career and within our life now and within the the the, the space in which someone works in, like you have to be cognizant of them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and understand that and like the resilience aspect of it and understanding that like sometimes, you know, being told hey, like you need to do these things to help improve yourself doesn't always come across in a healthy way, meaning that I don't respond to that, but I respond to someone being like, yo, what happened to you? Right, it's what I'm kind of trying to say is like, yo, what's going on? Why are you here? Which then makes you check and be like, oh, wow, well, actually, you know what? I slept six hours last night and I wrote a fucking 3,000 page word essay for school in a less than 24 hour period. And yeah, I... I'm on a nine right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need to do some things to recover, right? Um, yeah. But again, going back to the idea of, of the goal approach or uh, in the goal processing outcome and how we look at that from information processing, the gas model, and we look at variability, I think a lot of it comes down to just us being aware of it. Again, like I said, I keep going back to I keep talking in circles, I think, but it's just make sure you're you're aware of that no you're, you're right and I, I think where it's kind of interesting is is how we can we can apply those kind of models and ways of thinking like we talked about the loads of inputs and then it kind of you're the the, the kind of the filter if you like or your systems the filter to lead to that that kind of stable output so we we've talked about how that's really relevant in the gym in in kind of the weight room in the prep but you can also kind of scale that up to like you were saying like when kind of on the so if that's kind of the the micro end of things, so they're really kind of zoomed in, if you scale up and look at like the big picture stuff, that's also just as relevant in in life and in work and things like that. That ability to tolerate like so, so many different things, Correct. but your system can can filter slash buffer it and still produce that output. Um, that's th- that's kind of a um, like I think an interesting way to, to sort so of approach this. A hundred percent, right? And again, when I approached this question for school, when I the reason why I even bring up the whole Jericho thing was there were different variabilities within my day, within you know my life, and it's like, no, that's something that I should be paying attention to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh no, you're right. Yeah. Right, yeah. because again, it improves the resiliency for things moving on in front of us or whatever comes that way. As well as what, you know, <laughs> the ability to tolerate stress. Like that's <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's all we're trying to do here. And I think the idea is like we're really trying to reduce the fatigue in somebody um, that they carry over a time period. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can you can do that either by reducing the amount of stress that they're exposed to, which we know is a non-negotiable. That's a non-starter in this world, as in the, the tactical world. We, we can't do that. The The job is what it is. But the other side of the, the kind of the equation or the other side of the scales, if you're looking at it kind of being balanced, is is kind of the efficiency and the resources side of things. So we can either give you more resources, i.e. like improve your fitness, improve your immune function, improve your like ability to, to kind of think and, and cognitively deal with things. But like you were saying, we can we can also um, kind of make it cost less, make the 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 job and the stress of day-to-day life cost less by being really good with kind of recovery strategies or like how you think about how you 
how you think about work and how you approach things. Correct. So like triaging problems or, or well, prioritizing. And that's the thing though, right? Is like troubleshooting, right? It's like how good are you at troubleshooting? And we've, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before in the past. It's like, you know, that's what we need to focus on. It's like, okay, cool. When a problem happens, how do we fix it? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's it. When a problem happens or when a question comes about or an observation comes out, how do we fix it? Yeah. And 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 troubleshooting, problem solving, that's another one of those kind of we can do it on the small scale zoomed in, in the gym, but it's also super relevant like in in kind of like in Every day, life and every life, life, yeah, right. Like, and again, it goes back to the introspective aspect, right? And again, I'll use the Jericho example. It made me think internally, like, whoa, you're right, dude. I'm fucking in front of people. I'm talking and, and sitting in this position. I probably should look better. And like, Jericho probably didn't mean nothing by it at all, whatsoever. He just was fucking with me because that's how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't get too far away from that in our. In but our no, world. but but again, though, with me being able to like be like, oh, cool. Let me. Wait a minute. You're right. Didn't we? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't anybody else call me out on this the other day, right? Or like whatever else. But it's not a bad thing. It was just something that you can you can acknowledge and be like, oh, well, no, thanks for letting me have that. And, and internally change the way I view myself sometimes. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to get, get this to is this idea of like when we go to talk about variability and longevity and, and resiliency and all these things, you learn to have all of those things and still operate at such a high level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually kind of carrying on what we were saying earlier, I think the way to potentially one way to get the the resiliency and, and kind of the that that ability to to handle stress and keep moving in the big picture, in the big scale, is by kind of scoring lots of little points in the kind of the zoomed in way. So sorry, I didn't explain no, you're good, you're good. So like the more you the more kind of success more successes and the more wins you can have like in in kind of the gym environment in the control environment over time like like kind of putting money into yeah. that bank account that that adds that up micro to the, the experience big stuff that yeah for the big stuff multiple micro experiences still add up to a huge macro experience and i guess that's kind of where i'm going with that is that when the reason why i brought the gas model was the fact that like you can look at your experiences in a very micro aspect meaning that you're going to have a counter shock phase a time and resistance phase time and exhaustion and time and back into recovery and again, you said it perfectly, if you have positive micro experiences of, of these things, what ends up happening, you end up having a positive trend up. If you have peaks and troughs that are just massive of, of these micro experiences that are neutral, positive, negative, neutral, positive, negative for however long, and you recognize that, man, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying in this fucking place. Why? But then all of a sudden you notice that you're having these negative micro experiences what does it lead to it leads to a trend of negative experiences so it's like how do we go ahead and manipulate that and and, and now this is going out completely outside of just the tactical professional and the athlete just the human in general it's like if i can recognize that my micro experiences are positive where am i going to lead me to yeah it's like that snowball analogy 100 percent. but if i notice that oh well today you know we'll use this week right this week has been a great week of positive micro experiences but it also has been filled of micro experiences that have not always helped move the positive trend up right like that's a fair assumption to say that thing but that's life everybody has that happen and if you can acknowledge me like oh wow yeah like i fucking have had a few few micro experiences this week that have have slowed the ball down a little bit but i've also had a fuck ton of positive micro experiences that have just kept the ball still moving so i'm okay it's when you start recognizing those those negative micro experiences for far that are happening more often is when you're like how do i stop this how do i stop a snowball effect of negative micro experiences yeah yeah but that's where it comes again you need to have the logical thought process 
You need to have the, the reactability, right? We've talked about all those things and we've showcased it from just the strength conditioning side of the house, right? Throwing a fucking med ball at me while I'm holding a single leg split squat with my heel elevated, you know, or all the way to where Jericho was like, yo, bro, who the fuck dressed you? Again, reactability, right? Right away, it was like, oh, cool, man. I got it. Don't worry. That's 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 kind of the idea here is like, okay, cool. Well, we're increasing reactability, resiliency, the ability to trans to have the transferability from your job to the gym, the gym to your job, the job to your life, the life to your job, however you want to look at it, but understand like you have to have some transferability between the human and whatever endeavor it is or identity you tie yourself to. Cool. I also then have to be able to understand how to manipulate and manage my arousal levels when it comes to, to conducting specific tasks, right? How do I go ahead and then once I'm done completing that task, how do I get myself out of this resistance phase or this arousal phase that it's allowed for me to recover faster? I need to have tools for that. So like, guess what guys, like life is not easy and it's like you have the control of a lot of these small things and it's like, do we wanna make those changes? And it's like, well, if I wanna have positive micro experiences and I wanna have, you know, my capacity scale to improve or the, the, the capacity bubble to get bigger in circumference and diameter, well then I need to then create positive micro experiences within my life with a, a healthy balance of neutral and negative ones because you can't just have all positive. Like that's not the thing. Yeah, yeah. Can't appreciate the sun without the rain. <laughs> no, fuck no. <laughs> um, and I read in my book uh, this morning actually, it said, it said with uh, everything that is destroyed comes, uh, or I'm sorry, hold on, real quick. What destroys you saves you. And I was like, huh, what destroys you saves you. And I was like, interesting. Because ultimately, what does it teach you? It teaches you your limiting factors. I'm with you. Yeah. Like realistically, right? Like, well, whoa, 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 you're right. You know, I might have like lost my train of thought for a little bit here in the middle of the podcast, guys. But sometimes I've learned in writing that you just got to get some of the shit out just to find the gold nuggets. So I hope that was, that was helpful because, again, you got to think about that. Oh, well, how did I get destroyed? What was my limiting factors, right? What was wrong with my security posture? Yeah. Right? Did I not do the 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 machine gun the malfunction drills in my head while I could have been challenging or was I just sitting there reading a book? It, it's again, it's just one of those things where it's just like again, turn the mirror on and be like, "All right, cool. What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm pretty much spent. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a long week. It's been an awesome week. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot coming down. Um, but I know we've been probably talking in circles for the past 10 minutes or or at least whatever. But you know, I appreciate those who are faithful listeners to us and understand the Matt and George dynamic when we have conversations. I appreciate you guys. Um, there's a lot of really good information that's probably in, in the, or that is in this podcast. There's a, there's a lot of information that's probably just like whatever. Can say filter the filter the silt to get the gold nuggets. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's literally kind of what it is. But welcome to life um, is what I've learned. So again, at the end of the day, guys, if you have any questions or you know um, want us to talk about something, please send them our way via email. And if you guys you know want to talk more about this, email us, please. We would love to talk more about this. Um, we'd like to hear from other people quite a bit. And um, if you guys have reached out to me about that stuff the past month. Because I have gotten a couple of those because people have listened to previous podcasts. I will get back to you. I, I promise. We've just been super slammed. Um, but yeah, we do want to start getting that moving forward. Yeah. I mean, like like kind of probably as, you, as you've gathered with, with listening to this, um, it, it's kind of difficult for us in that we're trying to strike the balance of making what we're talking about 
relevant to as many people as possible while still kind of giving you what you need to know to to kind of max to like capitalize off this so like like george was saying if you if you've got any kind of specific um situations or experiences that you want us to kind of try and <laughs> chat chat and, and apply this stuff to then yeah we can we can definitely work that out no definitely so if you guys have anything for us like you said reach out to us via uh email george at softly.com or matt at softly.com cool guys till next time we'll chat soon